Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Paul Mumaw. I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis, and we want to thank you for joining us for week two uh, in our series called Explore God. You know, this series is designed to dig a little deeper into seven big questions uh, that many of us have when it comes to things like God or spirituality and faith. And uh, if you were with us last week, Jerry uh, spent some time talking about the question uh, around the purpose of life. Today, I want to spend a little time on a question I think we've all thought about from time to time. And uh, it doesn't matter if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, an atheist, or somewhere in between, but it's the question Is there a God? Is there a God? And I think that even if you have decided that you don't believe in God, chances are that most everyone uh, thinks about the possibility of God or a higher power uh, at least at some point. And it's not just adults, uh, it's not stu just uh, limited to students either, but even our young people, uh, even some of the kids in our lives think about God and sometimes their thinking about God causes them to write letters to ask questions of God. I came across uh, a handful of those letters that I thought that you might enjoy, like this first one from a little boy named Frankie who writes this, Dear God, I bet it's hard for you to love all of everybody in the world. There are only four people in my family, and I can't do it. And I'm not sure if that letter was written during quarantine, before quarantine, doesn't matter, probably even more so uh, in the season that we're in right now. But how about this? Uh, this uh, letter uh, written from a girl named Lucy, she writes, Dear God, are you really invisible or is that just a trick? Again, many different types of questions that we have about God. Finally, this one from a little boy named Timmy. He writes, Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works in our house. And if you've ever had to share a room uh, with a sibling before, you probably know some of the highs and lows of that sort of experience. But it's easy for us to laugh uh, and to laugh at some of these uh, letters from kids whose questions uh, will likely go unanswered. But isn't it true that as we get older, that our questions get a little more personal or maybe even more serious, these questions we ask of God? And when we ask questions of God that get no answer, well, isn't it true that it can make God a little less believable? Like maybe you know what I'm talking about. Uh, because for some of you, uh, when you think about God, like maybe God for you seems so real at some point in your life, but, but someone or something came along and, and devastated you in some way, and now God feels like a distant relative living on the other side of the universe. Or uh, maybe you were a part of a church, a church in the past, and, and you got burned. You got burned by a friend, you got burned by a small group or, or a pastor, and so since then you've thought to yourself, if that's what God's people are like, then I don't want anything to do with them. Or, or maybe you grew up around church, maybe you grew up a faith, and then you went off to, to college, and all it took was one professor and all of his or her questions, and well, it shattered everything that you've ever believed uh, about God. Or how about right now? How about this season that we're in? I mean, we're all living in a season uh, unlike anything that we've ever experienced before and with so much change and so many questions and uncertainty and anxiety, which can lead to all sorts of doubts. Like, like can you relate? Can you relate today with where we are? Like, I mean, it's okay to admit that 
if these recent circumstances have in any way caused you to ask some questions of God, I mean, I'll be honest with you, it's true of me. I mean, I've been struggling uh, from day to day, from time to time. I've got good days. I, I've had some bad days these last few weeks. I, I have moments of fear and anxiety. I have moments of faith. I, I don't doubt the existence of God, and it's, it's not that I doubt the goodness of God. I'm not giving up on Him, but, but I've been struggling too, and and so I've got some questions of God. I've had periods in my life where I've wanted to ask questions of God. You've probably got some questions too, but, but can I tell you something? And this is true of you, true for you, no matter uh, who you are, no matter where or what you think of God at this point in your life. God isn't intimidated by your questions. And we want you to know that here at Genesis we're not intimidated by your questions either. And so if you have questions of God, we want you to know that you've come to the right place with us. In fact, these next six weeks have been prepared specifically with you in mind. And so I want to invite you, I want to encourage you to keep coming, keep listening, and open yourself up to the possibility that there is a God and that He has more for your life than you realize. And so again, week two, uh, today's question that we want to tackle again is the question, is there a God? And let me just say right up front that I don't expect to convince you of the existence of God in the next 20 minutes or so. I'm not that good, but I do want to take the next few minutes with you here today to give you some things to think about. Uh, some things that we see, that you and I see, every one of us, and experience in life, things that provide uh, evidence, excuse me, uh, for the existence of God. Let's call them signposts, all right? Signposts, if you would. And, and, and what does a signpost do? Well, it, it points you in a specific direction. It, it points you towards a particular destination. And so I want to give you some signposts that we encounter most every single day that also point us towards the existence of God. Now, none of these explains or proves God completely, but they do serve as evidence, or as Tim Keller calls them, clues for the existence of God. And there are many different signposts that we could point to. I've picked a handful of those for you to consider with me. If you're taking notes this morning, the first signpost that I want to point you to is what we would refer to as the signpost of the Bible. All right, and evidence for God can be found all throughout the Scriptures, all throughout the Bible. I mean, consider the very first words in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, where we read on the very first page of the Bible that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, these words do more than just simply provide evidence for the existence of God, but they also tell us a little bit about what He has done. And so, if we're convinced that the Bible is true, then we know from the Bible not only that God exists, but we also learn so much more about His nature and about His character. Now, I know that some of you are already thinking to yourself, well, how can we know that the Bible is true? And that's a really good question, and that's why I want to invite you to stick around with us over these next six weeks because we're going to talk about that very question together. And so the Bible is a signpost for the existence of God, but let me give you another. The second signpost that I want to point you to is what we would refer to as nature. And this is something that we have an opportunity to experience every single day. Nature is an incredible signpost or evidence for the existence 
of God. I like what N.T. Wright says in his book, Simply Christian. He writes this, he says, we must acknowledge that beauty, whether in the natural order or within human creation, is sometimes so powerful that it evokes our very deepest feelings of awe, wonder, gratitude, and reverence. And I think you know what he's talking about here. I think we've all experienced this before. I'm like, we've, we've all had moments. We've all experienced these moments in nature where if you slow down long enough, if you pause long enough, you're struck with the awe and the wonder of what is in front of you. Like my, my family, we love to travel. And it's one of the great experiences we've had together. We, we've had the privilege of seeing some great things, some great sights and places together. Uh, I, I, I took a picture, I brought a picture of one of my favorites. And man, can you believe this is turkey run in the fall, right here in Indiana, but no, not really. It's not turkey run, but uh, if you've been there before, you might recognize this. Uh, scene from Zion National Park uh, in Utah. I'll never forget it. Uh, if, you've, if you've seen places like this before, I mean, it's a sight that takes your breath away. And, and you've got some moments of your own. You've probably captured some of those moments as memories that stirred something in you. In fact, if those are handy right now, you can post those to social media uh, for others to see. But, but if you've seen or if you've had experiences like these before, you know there's always that tension uh, to take a picture so that you can remember it or share it with someone else, but you know there's no way that any picture could possibly capture the impact of that personal moment for you. Again, nature provides incredible evidence for God. We read about this in Scripture. Uh, the writer of Psalm 19 verse 1 says this, he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. The Apostle Paul writes this in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, he says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without an excuse. See, as N.T. Wright points out, as these writers here in the Scriptures point out, even nature can point to something bigger and greater, uh, something that resonates in all of us. But, but not just our favorite picture or not just our, our favorite mountain range uh, provides clues for the existence of God, but even more so, like many who have studied uh, the universe and, and, and things like order and design have come to some really interesting conclusions about a higher power. Take Albert Einstein, for example. He's one of the most highly recognized and revered scientists of the 20th century. Look what he writes and says about nature. He says, you know, everyone who is seriously committed to the cultivation of science becomes convinced that in all the laws of the universe is manifest a spirit vastly superior to man and to which we with our powers must feel humble. Now, there are all sorts of opinions about what Einstein meant when he said this and when he wrote these words. Here's what I hear, that when it comes to the universe, uh, when, it, when it comes to the way things work, there is more than meets the eye, something unexplainable, uh, an uncaused cause, as some will say. And so even things that are found in nature can be like a signpost that point to the existence of God. Here's another. Signpost number three is what we'll just say, a desire for justice. 
uh, really the ability to differentiate between right and wrong. Uh, take, take this as an example. Imagine a, a bunch of young kids uh, in a room with unlimited candy and toys and little to no supervision. Uh, if you've had an experience like that before, if you're a parent or have taken care of kids, you know that it's not going to take long before a UFC fight uh, breaks out in any given room. And so even at a young age, this distinction between right and wrong becomes apparent. And as we grow older, we understand it even more. Like there, there's this sense that I think is in every single one of us uh, that there is so much in this world that isn't working right, that there's injustice in just about every aspect of society today. Like you've likely experienced this desire for justice uh, if you've ever uh, faced poverty firsthand. And that poverty could, be, could have been encountered right here in our own community, uh, around Indy or in places like Haiti. But when you encounter extreme poverty like that, you can't help but walk away and think to yourself, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Or, or how about when you hear the news of, of violence or when you hear the news of another shooting? Like we know it's not right and that something has to change. C.S. Lewis, uh, Lewis was one of the great thinkers, uh, great Christian thinkers of the 20th century, and he said this about our shared desire for justice. He writes, human beings all over the earth have this curious idea that they ought to behave in a certain way and cannot really get rid of it. Now, I know that some of you may be thinking to yourself, but Christians have done their fair share of horrible acts throughout time, and, and that's true. I, I get that. I mean, within all of us is this capacity for evil. I mean, that, that pertains to every single one of us. But we also have the capacity for good. And followers of Jesus have and still make waves in this world for the sake of fairness and justice. Which leads to another signpost, and it's just the signpost that we'll title Grace. And while I've labeled this signpost Grace... There's a specific form of grace that God is known for. It's what some who study theology call common grace. And the common grace of God is something that every single one of us encounters each and every day, regardless of whether you have a relationship with God or not. We read about this these examples of grace in Scripture, like in Psalm 145, verse 9, where it says that the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. Or in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 14 and 17, where Paul and Barnabas say this of God, that yet He has not left Himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart's with joy. And so His grace touches all of us. It extends all over this earth in some way every single day, and it manifests itself in all sorts of ways. I mean, His common grace works to, to hold back evil. Uh, his common grace is on display in so many examples of serving and good deeds and generosity in this world. And, and even when it's not directly the result of the church or even the hands of, of followers of Jesus, these acts of kindness can still serve as examples 
of his grace. And that's pretty remarkable when you think about it. I mean, this thought and and maybe something to keep in mind, even this week as you go about your days, like just think about this for a second. We've seen so many examples of, of serving and, and, and good deeds and compassion at play in our community, uh, certainly in our country and around the world right now. And whether that be from financial gifts that are given to acts of appreciation to something as small as a positive message or a smiley face drawn with chalk on the sidewalk in front of your house. God's fingerprints are everywhere around us right now, which I think just further highlights the importance for us as a church genesis, uh, for our serving, uh, for, our, for our generosity, you know, our love extended to others around us. And when I say church, I'm not talking about a building because a church is not about a building or even a particular service. Like a, a church is made up of people. Our Genesis Church is made up of people, and so I mean our connection groups, and I'm talking about our adults and our students and our kids. And again, just this reminder that our love and actions and our generosity provide one more opportunity for people to encounter and experience the love of God. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to this world. And so let's let this serve as a reminder. Don't stop loving. Uh, don't stop giving. Uh, don't stop with your generosity and your kindness towards the people around you. Let's keep it up in increasing measure for others. That's what we're here for. Let's keep leaving the evidence of God everywhere we go and in everything that we do. A fifth and final signpost that I want to give you for today is certainly, and maybe most importantly, that of Jesus. And one of Jesus' closest friends, uh, uh, and disciples was a guy by the name of John, and he said this about Jesus. Uh, the words can be found in John chapter 1, verse 14. John writes this, that the word, and when he uses the word word there, he's talking about Jesus. He says, Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, there's little doubt that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus was born into this world and that he lived among us. Jesus was the perfect and the ultimate signpost pointing us to the existence of God. And yet, at the very same time, he saw life like we see it. You could say that Jesus felt feelings like we feel them. Uh, that he cried tears much like we are capable of crying tears, and then he willingly sacrificed his life for us when he went to the cross, experienced great pain and suffering in order to give us the hope of grace and forgiveness and a relationship with him that begins the moment that we put our trust and our faith in him. Jesus is the greatest evidence of God for this world. And I realize that some of you, you might not be at the point yet where you're willing to accept such a statement as that. But again, part of my challenge for you as we work through this series is to ask you if you would open yourself to the possibility that there is a God and that He has more for your life. And so maybe for you, maybe for you a next step is to spend some time studying about and learning about Jesus. In fact, uh, if you go to our app, and if you don't have our app, you can download our app. There is a, a reading plan on our app, a 21-day reading plan through 
the life of Jesus. And maybe that'd be a perfect next step for you, a different way of getting to know a little bit more about Jesus. And we'll talk specifically about Jesus as the Son of God in a couple of weeks if you hang back with us. Listen, if you're struggling to buy into this God stuff or this message, uh, if you're still wrestling with what you believe, again, I want to say thank you for journeying with us and our church in this series. And don't check out. I want to invite you to stay curious. Again, be open to the possibility of God's existence and His presence in and around your life. And keep coming back over these next five weeks together. And, And if you need help now, or if you'd like to talk with someone from our team or one of our pastors, email us at info at genesischurch.me. I think that you'll find our staff very easy to talk to. And for all of us, we've gone through and we've experienced some tough things in life too, and some big questions as well. And don't forget to check out exploregod.com. This is a series that we're going through that other churches have gone through as well. Exploregod.com provides a number of resources for some continued study and exploration. But whatever the case, and no matter who you are, I want to keep inviting you to do one thing with us. Keep exploring God. Stay open to the possibility because, again, for the next five weeks, we're going to explore more common questions together. And so I hope you'll stay with us. I'll be praying for you and that God meets you in a very special way. And finally, don't forget about Pascal's Wager. And if you were with us last week, you heard one of our pastors uh, talk about just very that. Let me, let me just explain it to you briefly. Blaise Pascal was a 17th century mathematician Uh, and is known for being one of the greatest intellects in the history of Western civilizations. Uh, You could say that he grew up knowing about God, but he didn't really seek after or follow Him. However, after one night, uh, he had a really profound experience with God that led him to have a a change of heart, and that experience ignited uh, Pascal's passion to help others find their way back to God too. And so he began challenging uh, his fellow intellectuals around him to make a wager with God that has become known as Pascal's wager. And he explained his wager this way. He said this, to make a bet that there is a God who loves you, If you're right, you have everything to gain. If you're wrong, you have nothing to lose. Make a bet that God is real. And so I want to challenge you with that today. Would you be willing to place a bet with God? And I know that might sound kind of funny for me to invite you to, to do here today, but to take a risk on something new, maybe something that you've never considered before and And that's a challenge that, that, again, I'd love to give you. And if you don't know where to start, um, I'd encourage you with just a really simple prayer, a prayer that maybe goes just something like this. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Maybe that's a prayer that you'd be willing to pray right now. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Uh, Maybe you need to leave yourself a note somewhere visible and pray that prayer again tomorrow and Tuesday and every day this week. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. But I want to add one more thing to that this week. And I want to talk for just a moment to those of you specifically who have put your faith and trust in Christ. You'd call yourself a Christian. You, 
you call yourself a part of the, of the Genesis family or maybe some other church, but you're struggling today. You're struggling this morning. And, and so I want to invite you to maybe prayer, pray a similar prayer as well. Because again, if you're like me, you're probably having some good days, but also some difficult days. And again, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I, I've, I've been struggling with those too. But I think mostly someone in our connection group said it like this the other night. He says, you know, I think I could do this if I knew we had a real deadline. And it's so true, like the lack of a clear, definite deadline right now makes this really hard. But, but here's my experience, that even in the struggles and even in some of the questions, here's what I'm sure of. And here's what I know what I need, but what I also know of you as well. And that is that we need God. We need the very real presence of God of God in our lives right now, the reminder of that. And so maybe you need to pray a prayer similar to this one. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. God, make yourself real to me today. I want to see you today and every day this week and all that I do and the good and the bad. I need to know that your presence is with me.